Okay, Chad's video is working. Chad, you're on. All right. Okay. As soon as I click broadcast though, right? Yeah, okay, cool. Thanks, Kathy. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye, bye. Hey guys. Hey Polly. You're mute. You're muted. Good day. Good day, mate. <laughs> Good day, mate. <laughs> hey Vince. Vince, you're muted. Did everybody see the video of me and Chris doing push-ups last night? Yes. He's drinking a beer. It's after five, huh? <laughs> That's all right. I won't do that when we're going up. We were social that up at the beginning of this as the Chad and Chris challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to in this session is what I want to know. Leave Chad alone. He was, he was, I don't know. What can I say? He was so down after that last night, both him and my son were like, really? How did you do that? And I said, ah, I could have kept on going for another 15 minutes, really. But anyway. Yeah, he was give out too. <laughs> All right, we have a few minutes to, to discuss our meeting. Okay, um, so some questions that I was thinking that users would want answered. Um, one of them that Chad just brought up before was, is anyone buying cores at the minute? I don't know. So Paul, that's a question for you. Oh, you're the rest. This isn't the panel. I thought you were just talking about the questions. They are buying them. They are buying them? Okay. Yes. So, and all core buyers are buying them? I can't speak for other buyers at this time. Oh, very political. I like that answer. Very good. <laughs> Remember, I'm the recall guy. That's my focus. Oh, look at this guy. <laughs> hey, I will tell a quick, can I tell a quick joke at the beginning? You can. You, that, you know, I come from the Boston area and I was out having some drinks at a recycling convention and I was talking about our three lines of business, recalls, converters, and cores. And the waitress must have been circling. Two minutes later, she comes back with a bottle of beer. I said, I didn't order this. What kind of beer was it? Cores. Cores. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can tell it. You can tell it. <laughs> All right. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. I suppose. Um, how did how did the uh, sorry? It was middle of the night here for us. So how did the call uh, the coffee session go, Vince? Today. Oh, it went really good. Um, it was an experiment. I uh, <clears throat> just I think I think in in this uh, in this current climate people are really looking for ways to connect and, and all the ways that we are used to connecting face to face have been stripped away. So I thought I would try it. I've seen it done with like happy hours and, you know, friends getting together, having cocktails. And I thought, let's try this. I put a poll out, whether it was going to be a coffee thing, a lunch thing or a happy hour thing. And the coffee thing went out. So I threw it out there. We had, um, we had, uh, about 45, 50 people, viewing i had uh, about a about five or six actual uh, jump into the zoom uh and we're like this um and uh you know um understandably the conversation kind of centered around the the paycheck protection program and and everybody's current 
progress with that or lack of, depending on who it is. And so, you know, but it was, it was designed to be an informal kind of water cooler break room type chat. And uh, I think it was exactly that. I just looked before I logged onto this. It's been viewed 547 times. Wow, that's uh, good. Since. So, so yeah, it, it's, it, it was what it, it was exactly what I wanted it to be. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what other uh, streams of revenue have people got at the minute? Um, other than, of course, normal sales, et cetera, but they're down, right? So what, what are the other streams of revenue that you guys are seeing there um, that we can share with other people from different parts of the world? Well, unfortunately, the main, the main revenue stream that everybody's trying to get a piece of is not available in other parts of the world, right? So the Paycheck Protection Program uh, is, is the, the, you know, the- available here. It's available here in Australia. It's a similar program here in Australia. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Mm, yeah. So everybody's trying to figure it out, but what it, what it looks like is happening is, obviously this was, this was thrown together very fast and uh and, and some lines they put out the guidelines are overlaying some guidelines on top of the sba so i've i've i know people who have tried to apply at an sba authorized bank and have been told they're Their loans, it's because they're not a customer and they have to wait in line behind customers. And in other cases, uh, I know somebody who was who went to her bank, a bank she does business with, with her business, and uh, and they said that um, she did not have a business credit line, so they wouldn't even touch it. So, right. Okay. All right. Paul, you're still sort of seeing different people out there. I know you're not sort of visiting them, but you're, you're talking to them, I suppose, with the recall stuff and how, how are you dealing with that? Yeah, the recalls, I mean, um, our pipeline has come down a little bit, but we're still getting material in. As long as shipping um, stays open, we're getting new recyclers who haven't really heard of it before. Some have, haven't really paid attention to it, but so it's almost like we're getting new customers. And so, uh, so that's a, hey, it's a revenue stream, right? And I think you've got vehicles. I mean, how many people have... 500, 1,500 cars in the back lot, and now with the deployed on top of that, hey, you've got to squeeze every nickel out of these vehicles. Yeah. Hey, Paul, I got a question. Your 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 airbag recall, I mean, that is unaffected, right? Where where the prices of other things are impacted by the market, you're you're set, right? Because you your your company has a deal with the manufacturers and. It's unchanged, even in this environment, right? Right, and that's, you know, from the beginning, I always tried to push this to recyclers. Re recalls are not cores. Pricing being one of those things. Yeah. That makes it different. And yeah. hey, we have not heard, I mean, they got a settlement from Takata. Obviously they're funding the program, but I have not heard a thing of any pullback uh, by any of them. Gotcha. I think we lost Chad. He must have gone for a cocktail. 
Don't spoil him down there, Chris. You know, he's from Alabama. Bama. Bama. Not like so this guy from Virginia. <laughs> hey, is this is this gonna be live streamed on Facebook? Chris. Can't hear him. Unmute, Chris. Okay. The answer is yes, it will be. Um, I'm, that's why I'm just playing with my phone. But people calling me as well, asking me a few questions. So, um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll uh, hit the um, hit the broadcast button and the uh, live stream button at fairly similar times, Vince. But again, <coughs> still a bit of a novice at, at, at this game. Probably not as expert as you, but anyways, we'll do our best. So, um, will you be monitoring Facebook? During yeah, it, I've, I've got my phone just sitting here, so I'll uh, I'll give that a go. Yeah, I got mine right here as well. <laughs> Actually, I should put it on the stand that way I don't have to sit there holding it all the time. Um, okay, you almost fell in the water. Yeah, <laughs> I did too. Um, all right. So, what are some of the other things? So, what what are the other things that we've actually got on the uh, discussion points? Paul, you sent a few through, and we took all yours, I think. Well, I. You know, I've done this seminar as a time for the Heimlich maneuver. Good yes. times or bad times. We've got fruit riding on rotting on the vines, right? Chad, you alluded to this. Whether it's loose parts or vehicles, how many yards have I gone to? Where my goodness, old stock. Perhaps this core value. One of the things I'm going to mention too is we do specials. That's when the remanufacturer says, "Hey, we need this part. It's a hot part." and they are paying close to retail. And wow. we'll call recyclers and they'll say, they got like 30 on the rack, you know, rack and pinions. Uh, right. No, I'm holding, I don't want to sell them. Yeah. You got them for 75, we'll pay 50 bucks. Yeah, it's time to get rid of them. We were in a yard, we were in a yard two weeks ago that had thousands of, of starters, alternators, compressors, racks on the shelves. So much so that they had actually stopped them on the shelves and they were piling them up on the floor all this and get rid of every bit of it and it's the same idea. well i can find stuff there if i need to it's like no you can't find anything yeah. there come and on so you right turn it into money put it in the bank account you know the, the trick there is there's there's one thing I'm, i think everyone's got the the product there let's face it even the good yards have got excess product sitting there at some point in time it's a matter of where they can move it right so that's that's part of the challenge about having a buyer and a seller right so at the minute I think it's a buyer's market. There's plenty of sellers out there. It's a matter of how do we match that buyer and seller up? Right. So one thing, remember, I'm not on the core side, but I've talked to a few of our folks in the, you know, in the company, and there will be some shakeout from this from the remanufacturing side. And I think that's the supply chain recyclers may not be totally in tune with that if the demand's not there. A, prices may change, demand's gonna change. So like you said, great, we're gonna clean out the whole warehouse. We got 500,000 parts. There may not be the exact market there, and I'll be honest with you, your typical old school thinking is, oh, starters and alternators. You know what? That ship has sailed. I mean, I'm not saying some of them are valuable, but you gotta think outside the box. Um, one of my talking points is I, you really have to look at the vehicle holistically because many recyclers say, I'm not pulling an $8 wiper motor. You know what? Maybe we have to because you've got the people, the guy at the car, the tools, everything's right there. 
the whole idea is to maximize his time or her time. So maybe we need to look outside the box and say, look, in total, these 10 core pieces will bring an extra $100. Yeah, $100 today? The government's paying the wages for that employee for two months. It's two months. I thought, okay. It's two months. <clears throat> it's two months. And, and what's interesting about that, it, and we, we had a conversation with an attorney who has been studying this and becoming the expert at his firm. And he said something that I, I don't know if it went right, right by everybody, but I was thinking about it. I was talking to my wife about it. She's a CPA. And I said, uh, um, you know, whatever revenue you can generate during this period where the federal government is paying your payroll, your entire payroll expense is no longer an expense. You keep that money. And, and the attorney, Paul, he made the point. He goes, look, if you can make money during this time, you get to keep it. It's not like there's any ramifications for, for the government offsetting your payroll. Your payroll goes to zero, which changes all the numbers, doesn't it, Chad? Right? Because, you know, oh, yeah. you, may not do, you, you may only be doing 50% of your revenue. $5,000 a week. Uh, we're going to have to go live in about 30 seconds. So I'm just going to um, yeah. get the Facebook feed running and then okay. we'll be ready to rock and roll. Yeah. Got it. Just bear with me while I do this before I go live with everyone. Uh, share a page. Let's fix that. It's going on. Which? Uh, Chris Daigle's Partner Solutions, the one that. Um, okay. All right, now I'm just drinking water. <laughs> let me let me turn my around so you can see which what my label says there. Uh, yeah. So we're friends. We made it all the way to Australia without getting a dent in it too. Wow. I wouldn't do that to you, Paul. I would know Vince Vince had a rad shirt on the last time we did a zoom right yeah and I believe we were with uh, okay, ready to go guys <clears throat> should be live it says it we are and I'm broadcasting now Hi everyone, um, hopefully we're live and ready to go. We've got a few participants already joining in. Thanks for joining. Um, my name's Chris Douglas um, from Chris Douglas Partnered Solutions. I'm uh, co-hosting this event with, along with Chad Councilman from All Auto Recalls. Hi Chad. How you doing Chris? Sounds Very well, thank you. Um, we've got some super panelists on the call today. We've got uh, young Paul Diodamo from Razcors, uh, bottom left of the screen. Oh, he's not talking. <laughs> and we've got uh, Vince, Dadam, uh, Vince Edivan from um, uh, all, uh, the Automotive Recyclers Association. Sorry, guys. I've just got myself all mixed up there. That's quite all right. I love the way you, you almost gave me Paul's last name. We are brothers. We are Paisanos. Paisano. Ah. We do have different names. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for making it possible. Um, great to have you guys on. Um, so a, a couple of things before we, we kick off, um, really this, this show is about 
having a chat about some of the, the opportunities that exist out there. I really want to keep a positive spin to it. As we did last week, we had some really, really good discussions, some excellent questions. Um, at the end of this call, we're going to uh, be announcing some of our panellists for next week. We haven't got them all finalised, but we've got some really, really good ones uh, next week as well. So really excited about that. Um, it'll be coming from slightly a different angle. Um, possibly uh, something to do with insurance. So let's let's hang on right to the end and we'll uh, talk a little bit about those next week. Uh, the focus is about how we're going to uh, get through the current uh, situation, but also drive through and be in a really good spot as, as we come out of the coronavirus uh, environment. So please be aware of that. Um, so without any further ado, Chad, uh, can I hand over to you? Have you got any comments before we kick off with Paul and uh, Vince? Paul has been a personal friend for several years now. Uh, I've got to know he and his wife uh, through the years of the conventions and stuff and, and really respect Paul, his uh, previous uh, yard owner, sold out and then went into consulting and then ultimately ended up working with Raz handling the recalls there. And so uh, uh, great to have you on the, the call today, Paul, and, and, and uh, look forward to what you have to share with us. We know that you have face-to-face -face contact with a number of recycling facilities across the U.S., uh, and, and we look for your input on what's going on. You are a motivational speaker that travels and speaks at uh, several conventions, too, and so we, we know you're well-spoken. And you're also a instructor at a local university, I believe, also, aren't you? And so, well, since I joined RADS, I had to give up my professorial position. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you can still call me the professor, you know? Vince, Vince has a history uh, working at uh, uh, Copart uh, for many, many years and, uh, and then did some freelance work and then he's been on, on board with ARA for well over a year now and is part of the member relations for ARA and he has face-to-face -face contact with recyclers all over the U.S. and uh, uh, over the world also and, and look forward to hearing some information as to what you're learning uh, as to what's going on uh, in the environment this week also. Thanks, Chad. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Um, Paul, let's uh, let's get straight into this. Um, you're at RAS, uh, RAS Cores, uh, but you're focused on the, on the recalls, uh, the Takata airbag recall. You're the, as we call them, the recall guy, um, the yank that bag guy. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you're seeing at the minute. Obviously, you haven't had as much contact face-to-face -face with your, your customers recently. Um, but how's it affecting them and, and you? Well, as far as the recalls, I have to say our flow has still been strong. And in fact, with this situation, a number of people have come out of the woodwork, I'm going to say, people who maybe hadn't really participated, some that were somewhat participating, they see an opportunity to eliminate their liability while maintaining or maximizing a revenue stream. So we're actually getting new customers for a program that's been around since 2015. You're oh. muted, Chris. Muted again, sorry. I've got this dog next door that keeps on barking, so I've got to mute. <laughs> Chad, it's not my dog, it's the one next door this time. Anyways, um, so, Chad, you've been obviously in the recall business now with, with all of our recalls and myself uh, for some six weeks, I'd say. Yeah. Um, I think we've seen something similar over here with people sort of coming out of the woodwork, right? Yeah, I believe so. We, we've, what I have seen, I know I've only been here six weeks, but, but we have seen recyclers come up and say, I've never had my bin list run before. I want to see if I have any uh, recalled airbags on the shelves. 
uh, here in Australia, we're actually able to, to pay for uh, bags that we know have been crushed also. And so uh, we're running some historical VIN lists and paying them for those. And we're seeing people use that as a revenue stream right now. And it's, uh, it's lots of people coming forward and, and running thousands and thousands of VINs on a, on a daily basis now. So absolutely an influx of demand for that product because we still have the money flowing to the manufacturer to pay out for these recalled uh, components. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes, Paul. What I was going to say is um, to make a distinction in the U.S., we don't have that program to do historical. So it's a great point. And, you know, Chris, I think you guys have taken a little bit of a different approach down in Australia. Um, but it's important for the U.S. recyclers to know that that's something that was evaluated. Uh, but quite frankly, with the U.S. legal system, I think it was an issue of recyclers willing to sign an affidavit to say that all those crushed cars, none of those airbags reached the marketplace. And I think there was a reluctance to do that. So that was early on in the program. That's my understanding. So it's a good point. I'm glad you brought it up, Chad. I just want to make sure the U.S. auto recyclers know it's not something that we just dished off. It was just something that didn't seem appropriate for our market. Sure. I think there's, there, there are different scenarios for different markets, right? I, I think I saw last night on Facebook, um, Paul, uh, on the um, salvage, on the professional salvage yards forum uh, about Volkswagen, Audi, Skoda uh, over in the U.S. They're not, they're not participating in the program, whereas over here, not only they're participating, but they've got all auto recalls on their, on their you know, corporate website basically saying if you need to uh, dispose of your VW, Audi or Skoda um, airbags, this is who you contact. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting sort of scenario where you've got different, I suppose, different scenarios in different countries, right? So it's not all, all the same. So Vince, um, tell us a little bit about, you know, you've been doing a few of these webinars uh, recently, which is great. And I think, um, you know, the world is getting smaller, isn't it? Uh, we're, I know we're not face to face and we're not touch and feel anymore um, at the minute, uh, but it's it's enabled, I think, a new medium through which to communicate, which is this type of a scenario. And Facebook, we've got people stream, uh, streaming on Facebook as we speak. Uh, you know, we've got a number of participants on this show at the minute. So, what are you seeing over in the U uh, in the US from an ARA perspective as the the marketing person? I suppose, if if I can yeah. use that term. So. So ARA's mission has always been to to be a be the resource for for the auto recycler. Uh, we've done that through training. Has really just it's like drinking from a fire, um, and and so. Uh, with a big part of what we do being kind of turned off, uh, all the all the legislative stuff has shut down. I mean, we're still continuing to monitor and and have conversations and reach out, but none of the none of the you know the federal and state level uh, sessions are done are closed. So there's no real work to be done there, uh, other than the kind of some behind the scenes. But what what and and there's no face to face. Uh, but um, but there's a whole lot of information, and we see people. Uh, clamoring for information and they're getting it from all different areas so one of the things that we did first was um, we, we realized that this was this was our this was our role to step up and to try to aggregate that information as best we could 
and provide it in a way that are that not just our members we we kind of decided really really quickly it was a no-brainer that we were going to treat the whole industry as a member right and so we wanted to provide information and help uh phone calls emails text messages documents links whatever we could to help help the recyclers um navigate what's what's you know very very treacherous waters right now um <clears throat> one of the things that uh that we've realized that I've realized over the last few weeks is so I've always believed that people um, people really crave community right they, they crave this interaction with other people some people naturally more than others right and Paul and I are examples of that like we thrive on being around people um, well even in this current climate right you can't do that like you mentioned Chris so we're 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 looking for new ways to do this and and so uh, you know, I started turning on the camera I, I, and, and doing short little updates for people, uh, bringing discussions on. I brought Paul and Teresa on and we just talked about Paul, Teresa and, and um, oh, help me out. I forgot Paul. <laughs> Who? Um... Uh-oh. <laughs> oh Becky, Becky, my bad. Becky. Becky I I apologize. Uh, I drew a blank there, but but you know we're we, you know Becky and Teresa and Paul and myself were four extroverted road warriors, and I so we all got on there and just said you know how are you handling quarantine when you're this type of personality. So what we've what we've learned is um, we're we're meeting we're meeting the information. We're trying very hard to meet the information need. We're trying very hard to meet the community need. You mentioned uh, we. I, you know, we did this coffee talk, right? It was just designed this morning. I did it. We, it was just designed to be a, you know, water cooler break room chat for Monday morning, you know, so people can interact with other people. Uh, so we're really looking at all different ways, whether it's small bits, 60 seconds, 90 seconds, whether it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes, um, open panel discussions like what you're doing. Uh, we're just looking to, to, you know, stand in the gap between what the industry needs and, and what we can do to, to meet that need, so. Excellent, thanks Vince. Paul? Well, I was gonna say, um, most of us are on the Professional Salvage Yard Forum hosted by Greg Condon. And uh, in the fall of 19, uh, we actually initiated some discussions about uh, vendor forum and as another extension obviously all the most of us vendors uh, we're not really allowed to advertise on the professional salvage yard forum which is understandable keep that neat and clean great for recyclers but I think that forum has been phenomenal there's over 2,000 members yeah, it's great the virtual trade show timing is everything the idea was, uh, you know, basically born in the fall of last year. Matt was busy. We got talking a couple of weeks ago, and he says, Paul, this is the time right now. So we've got over 200 members. We're not trying to splinter from Salvage Yard Forum. Keep that. But if you want more vendor-focused information or ARA is posting on there, URG, the state associations can post. Again, it's pushing that community that informational channel that we still desperately need. Yeah, I think that's, that's real new, that's fresh. Really, really important. I think one of the things, you know, and Chad and I have been speaking about this 
for a fair amount of time now about how we how we get information out there to people and you know it's probably three months ago now paul and even vince yourself and, and chad we with the four of us had a bit of a chat uh via emails and some some discussions over the phone which was about let's get on and do a show and it was before really the coronavirus took hold didn't it wasn't it um and the reality is that we said let's let's do a bit of a show about nothing let's get on and talk about things that are happening in the industry you know i said seinfeld did a show about nothing it was a huge success um not suggesting there was seinfeld here but <laughs> Um, uh, certainly there, there's an opportunity for the industry to get closer and to communicate better. And, look, the, and the, the beauty of this, I'm just looking at some of the, the people watching at the minute. We've got the UK on, we've got the US on, we've got New Zealand, we've got Australian people on, we've got someone from the Netherlands on, um, you know. So we've got people from all over the world, um, you know, communicating where this would not be possible previously, right? Um, now, guys, please, um, if you could, um, as in attendees, if, if you've got questions, if you've got comments, please put it in your chat. We've just got a chat here now that's just come through from um, <laughs> Peter Butler. Uh, Paulie, he says, hi, guys, love the monkey, Paulie. So, Paul, do you want to tell us a story about the monkey before we get into some more serious stuff? You might have a joke for us, So when I was doing the um, consulting and training, when I first got on the road in 2017, uh, one of my seminars was Don't Feed the Monkey. So I became the monkey man. I talked about micromanaging and the monkey on your back. We all have a monkey. Some of us have multiple monkeys. Some of us have big, fat monkeys. Some of us have little monkeys. I would say Chad, knowing him for the last several years, that this is a man who was destined to not carry a big monkey. He carried a lot of responsibility, but he's a delegator. He ran his business through his people. And that's a big challenge for a lot of small independent business people, recyclers or otherwise. It's so easy to want control and take everything and therefore not be able to really drive their business. One, I wrote an article for April's edition of the Power Source and Toolbox and the other magazines. And I said, sometimes crisis provide you with an opportunity to make changes that you couldn't make otherwise, whether it be people are, I say, hate the term, fat and happy. Um, sometimes they don't like change. Crisis allows you to sometimes make those changes that are desperately needed, but you couldn't do it pre-crisis. Yeah, for sure. For Get sure. the monkey off your back, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's having a bit of a laugh at that. Okay, so we, we started speaking about cause and we're looking at ways for people. And, and of course, that we spoke briefly about some of the wage um, support that the US government is giving over there. Obviously, in Australia, they're doing something similar, but different. New Zealand, the UK, um, there are different scenarios in different parts of the world. And, and next week, we'll be talking to some people from the UK there's a bit of a sneak preview on, on what's happening next week. And I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit towards the end. Um, and they may have a slightly different view of what's happening and, and a scenario there. But um, when we come to cause, uh, you know, I, I think we spoke on last week's uh, episode uh, chat about having visited some yards where we, we saw a lot of product out there that that's uh, sitting around and, and so forth. And um, Paul, one of the, one of the, the topics that you brought up was, you know, let's find a way to get product out of our old inventory. 
and and get rid of it if you like or sell it turn it into cash again the things that when we're when things are good we don't really worry about too much it sits there and just builds up things are good you know we're selling other products so um <clears throat> chad do you want to tell us a little bit about what we saw and potentially what some of the opportunities around cores are there well whenever i first arrived in australia chris had arranged for me to travel with him and, and meet a good number of the recyclers here in australia and we visited uh in that first week probably 25 or 30 different facilities and it surprised me the sheer volume of inventory on the shelves small rotating components so starters alternators compressors different things and just they don't purge them they, they don't purge the cores here in Australia and so we, we immediately went to find a, a core buyer to bring to the Australian market to try to to provide a resource to, to get rid of some of the cores because they've been throwing the stuff in the trash here hauling it off putting it in the crushed cars and getting rid of it that way and so we're working right now to bring a solution here to Australia for the, the cores to actually be remanufactured uh, or to be exported to be remanufactured but of them here on the shelves and, and that's what Paul wants to talk about today is, is now is the time to purge your shelves to look at getting some stuff cleaned up and and to Heinlein maneuver is I think that's the term you used uh, your inventory to uh, to turn into revenue so uh, Paul talk to us so, about your maneuver the Heinlein maneuver right so again I go back to one of my seminars some of the most common things that I would see. And I remember I, when I came into the business, I came from the outside. So I wasn't shackled with family traditions and you know, we've always done it this way. So it was very easy for me to turn inventory and that's loose parts and vehicles. And the Heimlich maneuver means that we are choking on inventory. It might be a matter of degree, but we're choking on it. And Chad, you mentioned earlier how you went, you've, I mean, we've all been in places where the racks so now we're stacking the stuff on the floor and that to me is just a red flag that something is drastically wrong and what we've become is married to our product and I'm in the sales business I'm in the, I'm married to one woman that's it product should go sell it and we you know I I'll talk about specials that really is something that we I mean we have a very robust team at Raz and we run these specials when a remanufacturer says look we need this part now. We've got a small window. We are willing to buy close to the average retail for a used part just to get it in our system. Because remember, that's the supply chain. We sell to remanufacturers who rebuild the stuff, put it on the shelves as quote unquote rebuild, remanufactured. We call recyclers and they've got 25, 30 racking campaigns on the shelf. We want to buy all of them but we'd be happy with 10. The price on the shelf is an average of $75. We can pay up to 50 and we'll pay for the shipping. And more times than not, now I'm all set. I'm gonna sell all of those. Yeah, what's your reaction? You're crazy. You're, you're living in you're living in, in idea mindset from years ago. It's time to get rid of stuff, turn the money into cash, reinvest the cash into cars, turn the money fast. And so it's all about cycle time and, and how fast you can turn that money through your operation and something like that. You've got 30 on the shelf. You need probably two or three, depends on what your actual uh, demand is for it that you're having. Uh, but you run some reports, you make some decisions, you get rid of everything that's above, you know, 20 or 30,000 miles and, and make it disappear as a core. You don't have to worry with warranting it, no refunds, no, no, uh, 
no more hassle with that part. You go straight into your checking account. And so it's time to purge that inventory and get rid of it. If you've got more than what you need on the shelf to meet your demand. Yep. So remember this, you mentioned old school ways. True. We, I would say, I'm not sure, but 50%, 30%, we've got some still old school thinkers. And the first thing that, and you guys even are guilty of this. The first things you said were alternators and starters. And I can tell you, that's not necessarily the, where the money is going to be anymore. Okay. Because the scrap value has dropped out. So it's not like, Oh, well, you know, minimally I'll get five bucks. That's not happening anymore. We don't want to process scrap at Raz or the other core vendors. And I don't want to speak for the other core vendors, but I believe we probably have similar mindsets about what it is today. Cores are a game of risk. We're buying traditionally on speculation that we hoard X amount of products. And then at some point, the remanufacturers say, hey, we need them. And then we've got literally 5,000 we can sell to them. Guess what? The game of risk, we have to bring that level down for Raz because we can't stockpile products forever. And that's where this smart thinking, when we say, look, um, sometimes customers will complain, well, they want the, the, the product number. Yeah, guess what? There is multitude of products in a certain category, number of wiper motors, number of brain boxes, but the remanufacturers have a demand for these three numbers. So you can't complain. This is the new way. If you can't provide those numbers and match, we're not, they're not selling the part. We're not buying the part. It's not no value, just the way it is today. So that lends into your dismantling process, your workflow, when you pull cores. Some recyclers say, well, I won't pull the core unless it's 25, 50 bucks. I think it's time for a change because dismantling systems that have been set up to maximize your dismantler's time, uh, I'm not gonna pull a wiper motor for eight bucks. Well, you know what? The wiper motor, the recalls, the other products, maybe you've got $150, $200, but you're ignoring them because individually, they don't meet your threshold. Yeah. Right now, with the, the SBA loans, the, the labor force theoretically is being paid by the federal government for a two month period. If you're taking out uh, one of these new PPP loans and then it's going to be forgiven. So you've got free labor right now to go pull, pull some cores. Uh, Scott Robertson just sent a, a message on the Facebook live feed. Uh, why would you actually pull apart and put it on the shelf? Uh, it's time to rethink uh, when you're evaluating, it's time to purge inventory. If it's time to purge inventory, it's time to change a process and you're dismantling and you're racking the whole process so that you're not putting that part on the shelf in the future. And so if you need to change the way you're working with your inventory personnel to say, if I've got number uh, X number uh, in a ratio of what the demand is, then don't pull apart, go straight to a core bin with it and don't, don't even put it on the shelf because you have to add labor to the fact of pulling it off the shelf at a later date. You'd be better off to just put it straight into a core bin and get rid of it. So to, now is time to think about revamping the way that you handle your dismantling processes. I think uh, just just on that, uh, really good points. And I, what I'd like to do is just hand over to uh, the uh, the audience as well and make sure that, guys, if you've got questions or comments on any of this, please do uh, add them in the chat. I think it's really, really important um, that we get 
uh, a good variety of, of input from, from everyone. It's not just about what, what the four of us have got to say, it's about what everyone can bring together and, and hopefully we find a better solution potentially. One of the things that comes to mind, uh, Paul, Chad and Vince, is that when we were visiting a number of these yards, you know, a few of them said, oh yeah, but I sell, I sell my air conditioning compressors. Okay. And I sell my alternators and I sell my statimers and I sell my uh, drive shafts. And it's like, really? Let's run a few reports here. So we run the, you know, last 365 days on alternators. And it's like, well, okay, you've sold $10,000 worth of alternators. You've got a buyer here that's going to give you $50,000 wholesale to take the lot. And you've got 500 alternators. You know what I mean? It's like, really, let's, let's think about this. Run the reports. Have a look at the data. Because if you've got five alternators that are generating your 80% of those, those you know, dollar sales, the rest of them are scrap. So let's try and move that. I think that's where we need to use our data better. We've got that data available now. Let's try and use that a lot better, I think, is the key there. Um, obviously, we need buyers. Every, every selling market needs a buying market. So um, we, uh, we spent a bit of time with a couple of English fellows, Ross and John from Auto Enterprises over here, um, who are looking at, at buying calls. Obviously, the uh, COVID-19 has has challenged that initiative a little bit that they had, but um, they'll be back in you know three to six months and 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 there will be buyers out there. So start preparing. Um, Vince, have you got any so from an ARA perspective um, any views on on the core piece? Have you had any feedback from um, people at ARA or ARA members around cores and what they're doing there? Um, <clears throat> so my my role within ARA is is slightly to the left of the conversation because uh, I, I've not been an operator. Um, so I've never had a hands-on experience with what you guys are talking about. Certainly some, certainly the executive committee who are all operators are, are dealing with this and they're, and they're having those conversations. Uh, what I, what I do know is that uh, parallel to what you're discussing about looking for, for new ways and, and, and kind of sweeping the cobwebs out of the corners. This is just one example of it, what you're talking about. We're, we're seeing a lot, we're hearing a lot of those conversations about, uh, about like you said, Chad, you know, people, people now have the time. So they're taking, they're taking a look at some of the operations, the way they, the way they do things. They are taking on some projects uh, to help improve their, their facilities. Um, they're, they're using the ARA university to catch up on training. In some cases, you've got, you've got businesses that are paying employees, uh, and, but can't really, you know, they, they don't have enough work for them to do. So this is a great time to catch up on the training. Uh, this is a great time to log on to ARAU and take advantage of it. Uh, but, but we, we are seeing a lot of operators, uh, looking around and taking a hard, hard, close look at, at what they're doing, what they've been doing, and and how they can improve going forward. Well, well, speaking of that, and knowing more about the PPP, um, I got to tell you, is it's it may not be welcome news, but there's a number of businesses that I've been to that if they just, you know, we talked about survive to thrive as one of the topics, and in my estimation, there are many visitations I've had that if I was a customer or a potential employee, I would never go back. Parts in the front, housekeeping is atrocious. One guy, I even, I said to him, I said, 
luckily I persisted because I, I could see the building. I could not see a path to get to it. Housekeeping, curb appeal. If you want to survive to thrive, even with online sales, there are many recyclers, self-serve, full-serve, who still do a fair amount of retail trade. Use this time. Clean up. I've been to offices where I see 30, 50, 100 radios. Guys, that's 1980. Get that crap out of there. No offense. Clean that sh stuff out of there. <laughs> paint the walls. Paint is cheap. When I was at Bill's Auto Parts, this building was ancient to begin with. One day I said to the guys, guess what? I'm buying a spray gun. I'm not going to clean the walls. I'm going to take what I can get down and I'm spraying and anything, including you who's stationary are going to get sprayed. And I'll tell you what, the week after that, people walked in and go, well, what happened? It's yeah. bright. Simple things. I'm just yeah. a little OCD. You guys know me well enough. I like clean things clean. I like my customers to see things clean. Housekeeping, yeah. curb appeal. I think, I think, I think a lot of us are, are experiencing that even personally. Like I'm looking around and, and, and I've, I've, you know, there's probably four or five projects, little things around my house that I've always said I don't have time to do. Um, I'm three weeks plus or almost four, you know, into this quarantine. It turns out it was never about me not having time <laughs> to do them. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I think that translates to the business, doesn't it? When you walk into your business, you probably, uh, head down and nose to the grindstone and legitimately have not had time to do the things that you're describing, Paul, but those, all those reasons have been stripped away. Guys, there's, there's a couple of uh, comments and questions on, on the Facebook feed from Shan McMillan and, and some responses from Chad Counts. So mm -hmm. I'm going to touch on those in a second, but I want to um, just on that point of curb appeal or making things look clean before we go to the Facebook questions. Um, my view on all that is, you know, how are we viewed by a more strategic buyer? Okay, so if, let's say, let's say, um, insurers want to use more recycled parts. Um, they want to come and visit our industry. They want to come and have a look at what our yards look like. They want to sort of see who they're going to be dealing with. They're, these are big corporates, you know, publicly listed organizations. They need to be doing business with people that are doing the right things. Okay. Work health and safety, environmental, all of those things are critical to them. And the old adage that you don't get a second chance to make a first impression is like, it's simple, right? Someone sees your operation, someone sees you, they need to be able like this to make a call on who they're dealing with. Do I want to deal with Paul or do I not want to deal with Paul? Right? And I want to deal with Paul if what I see meets what I'm trying to achieve in, in my business. So I know it's tough at the minute because you know we don't want to spend money at this point in time when there isn't revenue coming through but you've got time and i think vince you're right sometimes it doesn't matter how much time you've got you don't get those things done right um because they're in the too hard basket um, your, your your point about a first impression think about it is a very good point but it goes it's even broader than that you think about if um <clears throat> if you get an inspection right if the if the fire department this osha is some any any of the regulatory inspectors they stop by uh, that first impression when you've spent some time cleaning up painting making things look nice impression is going to count isn't it chad absolutely absolutely 
Um, I, I had OSHA visit me one time and we just spent three months getting prepared for a possible OSHA inspection. And then they showed up, they camped out for three days. And, and finally the third day I was like, dude, uh, what's going on here? And he says, I can't leave until I write you a fine. I said, what? And, uh, and he said, I, I can't, Obama's got new laws that says that, that uh, I can't leave here until I write you a fine. And, uh, and so he said, I'll write you a fine for a malfunctioning blowback valve on a torch. I said, do I have one? He says, no, but it's only $2,500. It's the cheapest thing I can write you a, a fine for. I said, write the fine and leave get out of here. I mean, he, he left, but he had always, he had microphones on, on the lapel of my dismantler listening to see if the impact gun was too loud for his ear to hear. I mean, it had gone crazy and he never could find anything because we had spent the time, had prepared the facility. We hired a third party to come in actually and help us make uh, decisions on what we needed to improve and make things right. And now is the time to do stuff like that. You know, get, get things cleaned up, get uh, procedures and processes in place, get the paperwork in place uh, that, that gets you certified, uh, step up the level. You know, use the ARA uh, Gold Seal and Car Certification Program to be a, a stepping stone and, and achieve that type stuff uh, and make it happen so that you are prepared. You've got time now to do it, and you've got uh, labor that is virtually free right now. Uh, use that labor to do what needs to be done to clean up and organize and make things right and, yeah. and train them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's go to a couple of the uh, Facebook questions. So Shan McMillan, just in regard, in regard to cause, um, you know, how do you find the magic number of how many should be kept on the shelf? So we were talking before about how many of those alternators or starter motors or whatever it is you leave on the shelf versus you call out. Um, Chad, I suppose you're probably the best person to sort of have a well, bit of a chat about. What is your, you want to keep 90 days worth of stock on the shelf? Is If that is your number, and then you look at your demand for the 90 days, and you look at your close ratio for the 90 days. And so if, if you're having demand for uh, 40 products and your close ratio is 10% for that product, you only need four of them in order to meet the demand for a 90 day stock. And so encourage them to, to reach a 90 day stock if that's the number you want. You may only want to keep a 30 day stock. And so you just run the numbers uh, based on that. So demand, close ratio, and, and your current quantity on hand. Yeah. So Chad, Chad Counts has responded to Shan as well. Very similar there, um, Chad Councilman. <laughs> um, so for most part, Shan, all based on demand, more about your, uh, um, your data, uh, and the product than the magic number. Some parts you do want them all, others none. If you don't have the data, then holding to a minimum makes a lot of sense. Um, Shan's response, which of those numbers do you use to make the decision more accurately, et cetera, et cetera, reference to ratios. So again, good conversation. I love the fact that we've got interaction here. I love the fact that Shan's asking the question. I love the fact that we've got Chad and Chad, the two Chads, coincidence, um, uh, sort of talking about it because they will help, um, you know, other recyclers make the right decisions. A um, couple of uh, questions that have come through. Uh, Vince, since COVID-19 situation, have any of the US inventory software suppliers provided any fee relief to the auto recyclers? If so, who and what please? Good question. Yeah, that's a really good question, Chad. So um, I know that our executive director, Sandy Blaylock, is having conversations with a lot of a lot of our partners, um, <clears throat> uh, and and we're they they are they are anxious to figure out how they can 
uh, help in this situation. And I think those conversations are ongoing and, and still in development. So that's about as good as I can get for now. Okay. So at this point, uh, what you're saying, Vince, is that no one's made any comment or any announcement that, you know, they're going to be waiving certain fees or anything like that for the use of the yard management system. Is it, is it, Not to my knowledge. No. Okay. We're having very small requests here in Australia also, uh, where the yards are, are reaching out to Hollander also and saying, hey, can, can you give us some, a break for a, a few months? And so it's a global request. It's not just uh, centralized to US. It is a global request going on. Absolutely. And look, uh, just, just sorry, Paulie, one, one quick second, if I can just, part of my uh, role in the consulting part of my business is uh, I represent Hollander in, in Australia as their contracted GM. Um, and just a position from a Hollander perspective at this point in time, I don't want to make this a Hollander thing or anything like that, but um, from a Hollander piece or Hollander International here in Australia, um, it's a very similar situation, Vince, whereby I know that the US is, is currently, or the, the parent company is looking at the situation and trying to determine a position for the Australian and New Zealand users. Um, and I believe the UK users as well, um, as far as what relief they can offer. So hopefully we're going to have something out to the market uh, towards the end of April. Uh, but yeah. certainly, you know, the sooner the better. Everybody wants to help. Everybody wants to help. Everybody's talking about how we can help. I, I just, I think those conversations are still in development. So, Sure. Uh, Vince, another question's come through about ARA training. Uh, how can we access the ARA training? Great question, Chris. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, no. So ARA University is is a free member benefit. Um, you have to be a member of ARA in order to access it. If you are a member of ARA, uh, all you have to do is is uh, you can go to our website and you can register your business, register your administrator. And all the credentials you'll need will be supplied to you. You can certainly just register. You know, you can certainly just reach out to me. I'm I'm out there on our Facebook page. Uh, any, I'm easy to get in contact with. Um, you can email me at vince at a r a dot org. Uh, so and just just ask me the questions, and I can get to you. I can I can speak to the specific recycler that's looking at, at, at having an interest in use in taking advantage of that. But that's it's specific. Um, came in from a Australian recycler just then. So uh, you may want to, uh, to explore the option of, of what the rates may be for uh, Australian uh, recycler to join ARA. And yeah, again, just, uh, if, if the person who, who asked that reaches out to me, I will, I will make sure to get them the information of what it would take for them because it's obviously different, yeah. Yep. Okay, so let's uh, let's communicate. I think that's critical. The ARA University, I think I mentioned last week, is is really really good. Um, I've had a look at a whole heap of their courses, and and they're, again, perfect time to do it, guys. You got you know downtime. Some of your people have, have, have you know aren't as busy as they were. Yeah, you want them doing as much as possible to create revenue, but sometimes it's about short term pain for long term gain, right? You need to do the effort, put the work in now to actually get the result. So, um, absolutely. Okay, so good discussion there. Um, welcome to Cow from Malaysia. Um, Cow is uh, on Facebook. Wow. Um, he's uh, the Malaysian sort of chairman or CEO of the uh, association over there. So welcome, Cow. Great to have you on. Um, okay, Paul. Flip flops. 
You say tomato, I say tomato. We say flip-flops, you say, come on. I, I say thumbs. Why do Australians call flip-flops thongs? Yeah, they have some crazy terms over here, Paul. It, it's, uh, I, I, I find myself, even last night, uh, uh, Chris's wife, Andrea, gave me a, a recipe to cook bread. You know, I'm, I'm living here by myself. My wife and daughter are still back in the U.S. And so she gave me some flour, some yeast, and a recipe to cook bread. I was reading the recipe, and I said, I said, what is lashings? And she said, well, that's where you put lots of butter on the bread. And it's like, Who's ever heard of that, you know? And so there's all kinds of crazy terms down here in Australia. <laughs> We're the crazy ones. Seriously. <laughs> yes, actually. He's laughing. Mitch is laughing because he knows that I'm talking to a guy from Mobile, Alabama, uh, and I'm the crazy one. <laughs> hey, hey, Chad, what meal is it that you eat uh, after lunch toward the evening time? What is that, what is that meal called? Oh, supper. No. <laughs> dinner. dinner it's dinner lunch, Chad. lunch happens in the noon hour yeah anyways the the, the i think so, the moral of the story though paulie is that yeah you say tomatoes we say tomatoes or what are tomatoes tomatoes um but at the end of the day we're, we're talking about the same thing it's a fruit i think it's a well fruit. i've learned that a wing is a fender a guard is a fender uh, a bonnet is a hood uh i've learned all kinds of terms down here a trunk is a boot. Yeah. Paul, you were going to say something? So getting back to the YMSs, yeah. um, I think there's an opportunity here. Uh, in lieu of reducing fees, perhaps, one thing that ARA, RAS, we, at some point, we need a bigger solution for in the yard management systems, without a doubt. I think a very low impact, not low impact, low cost, development would be to simply flag the VINs as they're coming into the YMSs on their inventory devices to flag them for recalls. Because I believe that um, being alerted to a bag and the value being in that vehicle is very significant. So we've got the population who are automatically checking VINs, doing a fabulous job. But for those recyclers who have Checkmate, PowerLink, Pinnacle, Crush, Part of their inventory device, if it flagged the recalls, that would bring it to their immediate attention. I think we'd have a resurgence of people getting on the program for the bounty. So just on that, um, it, what you're saying there is that in the US, the uh, yard management systems don't flag a recall when you enter a VIN or when you enter the vehicle into inventory? This is a shout out to uh, Mike at Buddy Inventory. His device not only highlights the airbags, but all recalls. In fact, he takes the NHTSA campaign and drops it into your YMS into one of the main files. But his is the only inventory device at this moment that flags recalls. Okay, interesting. Uh, so one of the things that we did over here with the All Auto Recalls business, um, and again, I, I wanna be careful, this isn't about promoting anything it's about sort of talking about industry issues right but certainly um with hollander over here in australia um at the minute we don't have the data available for um new zealand um but certainly with Honda here in australia there is a integration now with all auto recalls whereby they enter a vehicle into inventory they do an mbr 
if they're a member of the All Auto Recalls business, then their product uh, will be searched or that VIN will be searched for recalls, uh, all types of recalls, not just Takata recalls. So there is a screen that pops up on the MBR and says basically, you know, your driver's side seat runner has been recalled or in the case of, you know, Volkswagen or Toyota just over the past couple of days, you know, your gearbox has been recalled, etc. So um, certainly that's a, it's a really good product. Um, I think it's critical, not only for the bounty. I, I like to go beyond Takata, Paul. Exactly. Um, I talk again more strategically about how we work with other industries and people we want to sell parts to, uh, mm-hmm. like insurance companies and collision repairs. They want to know that the automotive recycler they're buying product from um, has checked their part for recalls, that they're not buying a recall component. Whether it's, you know, today we're talking about you know, mechanical components really and electrical components, for example, airbags and so forth. Um, but ultimately, we're going to be talking about things like headlights and door mirrors, right? Because these guys, these things, you know, with all the different computers in them these days, they will be recalled. So we need to yep. make sure that we check for recalls on the way in, that we check for recalls on the way out, but then more importantly, we check for recalls on an ongoing basis. And that means having a recall process in place. Yep. And I think um, Vince from an A, sorry, uh, Chad, one, one quick second. Vince, from an ARA perspective, one of the things I'd implore ARA to tr- try and achieve is for to find a way that um, ARA gold recyclers, for example, uh, are able to check their inventory um, and have a process within their business that if there is a part that they've previously sold, whether that's five years ago or two minutes ago, um, that they've got a mechanism through which to, to, to be flagged with them so that they can talk to their customer, the person they sold to, and let them know that it's a recall, just like the manufacturers do. Sorry, Chad. You know, we we've discovered this issue. We identified this issue. We found a solution for it last year while I was president of ARA. And the, the solution is there. There is an API to a recall uh, provider there in the United States. <clears throat> We've given that API to Hollander, to Pinnacle, to Checkmate, uh, to say you have this connection, this API connection to check for recalls. We would like for you to build this into your yard management system so that we're checking for recalls at the time of intake and at the time at the point of sale. Uh, now, BidBuddy uh, integrated it very rapidly, and that's their, their system is integrated with that recall system right now. But the yard management systems have the API, they have the connection, they have the data available to them, they have yet to implement it. And that's been six months, maybe, maybe uh, eight months, they've had that opportunity to actually build that. And it, it's yet to happen yet. But we understand that they're working on it. But as we all know, software developing is a slow, slow build and it's prioritized based on the demand of the customer. And it, it may be time for the customer to demand that a little louder uh, because the, the tool is sitting there and is, is available for them to use right now. Also, there was a question earlier about uh, ARA University for Australians. Sandy Blaylock sent a message to me. It's uh, $275 US uh, for an Australian to join ARA University, uh, join ARA, and then ARA University is a, uh, is a free member benefit of that. So if you want to join ARA for 275 US, you could. Hey Vince, could you, could you share with us the 
link to you know joining ARA, uh, I think that'd be great. I know, I know it's probably easy to find it, a-r-a.org, uh, for those that want to join right. ARA, but we'll, we'll get a link from Vince and we'll, we'll flick it across to everyone so that whoever wants to join, I think it's a good 275 spent, so we'll get that across. We've got some more questions coming through um, on our Q&A. Mike Swift, welcome, Mike. Uh, as always, Mike is quite outspoken. Just get a few there. <laughs> <laughs> so ARA had a law passed. We need the new team from ARA to get NHTSA off their backsides. Um, and I'm sure the guys there are doing everything possible. Um, Looks like Tom has a question. I, I think Mike, Mike was, you know, expressing an uh, his uh the point about the the law that was passed um which is a valid point where i know we continue to work on that but it looks like tom at i need spares yeah. had a question you see that chris yep so hi everyone can recalls be identified by part numbers and it's a good question but um from from a perspective of the australian scenario um we uh, identify recalls by vin and then the associated part on that VIN. So for example, in the case of airbags, um, we run the VIN numbers through the system. The system then says VIN number A um, is known to have a recalled airbag in it or a recalled lower control on whatever the case is. Um, some of the vehicle manufacturers, Tom, have uh, a very good traceability system in place whereby they've got the serial numbers associated to that VIN for that specific part. So they'll know that serial number ABC on VIN number 123 was the airbag inflator fitted to that specific vehicle. Um, other manufacturers don't really know that. Um, they just know that, you know, this group of VINs for Volkswagen, for example, um, that fits into a category of potentially having affected airbag inflators in them and they recall the lot in that group. Um, so that's that's the way it works, uh, Tom, at this stage. I hope that helps. Um, from a UK perspective, we've been looking at uh, deploying the service over there along with um, Chaz at the VRA. Um, we'll be looking at that over the next three months. Hopefully by June, we'll be in a position to look at uh, deploying something there. Uh, but ultimately, it'll be a very similar situation um, whereby it'll be a VIN number related uh, call. Paul, is that... Is that what, what happens over there? Similar over there? Or is it by part number in the US? Then. Then. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, excellent. Good questions. Um, I've got a, a, a feed here from Peter Butler. Hi, guys. Discounts from our partners are even more relevant for us in the Pacific. For example, one piece of software we use costs 1800 US dollars with a down downward trend of the currency, we now have to pay 3,050 New Zealand dollars, which would be uh, good to be mentioned to the vendors when supplying overseas. Yeah, look, that is that is critical. I mean, we've got a, a scenario both in, in New Zealand and in Australia where our dollar has deflated significantly. So um, I'm tipping the US dollar against the euro is probably struggling as well, but nonetheless, um, that makes it an extra burden for us over, over in this region. So when you're talking to those vendors, uh, Vince, please uh, have a have a bat on our side. Yep. Hey, Chris. Yes. Just uh, tell Peter he should look in his chili bin for some hard cold cash. <laughs> okay, I'm sure there's something in that, Peter. 
I'm not sure exactly what it is, but yeah, the chili bin is the chili bin's a cooler. Uh-huh. Where he puts his cash. There you go. Peter, good advice from Paul. Okay, we've got uh, six minutes left. Uh, any last questions from people, please uh, please do send them through. Just a quick reminder, we'll be um, streaming the recorded um, Facebook uh, feed a little bit later on for other regions uh, in the world that um, unfortunately our timing isn't perfect for everyone. Uh, we do appreciate we really do appreciate the fact that the guys from the UK uh, are on this call. It's like 11, probably closer to 12 o'clock midnight there on, on Monday night. Thank you. Uh, excellent. Um, again, we appreciate Paul and, and Vince and everyone from the US that's on both Facebook and, and this session here. Um, we know it's probably time to have a, have a beer, Vince, probably not. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you got a joke you want to tell about a beer? So I'm in Virginia. You know, they talk different than guys like me from Boston where I drive my car. So I'm telling some people about our three product lines at Raz. We've got converters, we've got recalls, and we've got cores. So the waitress had been circling the table, and two minutes later she came back and handed me a beer. What kind of beer was it? Cores. Of course. <laughs> very good. Very good. <laughs> Chris, tell us who's going to be on next week and what we're going to be talking about next week. That's a good one. Okay. So um, before I go there, don't forget to look at our YouTube channel, um, Partnered Solutions YouTube channel. We've got this recorded and it'll be up there within the next few hours. So please um, share that with people. Hopefully these sessions are bringing value. Next week, um, Next week, we, we have uh, secured uh, a gentleman by the name of Adam Murray. Adam is a senior uh, person at uh, Aviva Insurance. Uh, Aviva, I believe, is number one or number two in personal insurance in the UK. So they're similar to a State Farm or a GEICO in the US or a NRMA, IAG or Suncorp here in, in Australia and the likes of IAG in New Zealand. Um, so Adam will be on the show. We're hoping to get Laura Richards from eBay UK on, on the call. I've been doing a bit of work with Laura and, um, uh, the eBay team in the UK over the past 15 months. Um, and they'll be talking about that program that we're, uh, we're, we're looking to launch very, very soon with, with a couple of insurers, uh, which is excellent. We're really happy that we've advanced that even in the current environment, we've got insurers over there saying, they want to do as much as possible. So, uh, and they want to drive it as quickly as possible. So um, it'd be great to hear what Aviva in the UK, what um, eBay in the UK are looking at, where they've progressed to. Hopefully we'll have Chaz Ambrose, the uh, CEO of the Vehicle Recyclers Association on the call as well. So between the three of those, it's been a huge amount of work happening on reclaimed or recycled original equipment parts. Um, you know, Chaz has done a heap of work around certification um, and they're about to launch their own certification program in the UK. Um, Laura and eBay have been doing a huge amount with regard to how they're going to bring product off the eBay platform and build a business to business capability um, to, to put eBay product uh, from certified recyclers into in front of uh, insurance companies. 
and Aviva and other insurers over there working with another three insurers over there are doing a super job um, promoting recycled parts internally and looking to, to drive certain trials over the next uh, few months. So I think wherever you are in the world, it's of interest to everyone to be on that, um, especially those in the UK. We're going to change the timing around a little bit. I'm not sure exactly what time that will be, but uh, we'll send information out. Please look out for it. Again, check your junk files. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of the emails end up in spam or junk. They get caught out um, these days. So please check there. I'll be sending some personal invites out as well. Um, be on that call next week. I think it's going to be relevant to everyone all around the world because if we can get something working over in the UK with the likes of eBay and a, and a big insurer, um, who knows what's possible anywhere else. So um, I think it's uh, I think it's really, really cool what's happening. Um, I've got a last question here. Linton, uh, hi guys, is the ARA, uh, and if you're a member, are you recognised by insurance companies worldwide? Vince, do you want to respond to that or do you want me to respond to that? Chris, I, I'm not sure I understand the question. So I think it's if you're an ARA member, um, do insurance companies recognise you as an ARA member? And if so, what does that mean? Um, so ARA is uh, always, we are always in working in partnership with different insurance companies. Um, we have the same interests, uh, uh, a lot of the same interest in regards to um, uh, the legislative efforts for uh, um, uh, manufacturer procedures. Uh, but I don't, I don't think there is, to my knowledge, a connection between uh, the the insurance companies and uh, the recyclers as as a buyer I think um, I, I don't I don't think that they they look at that yeah I think I think you're right so um, Linton uh, unfortunately not at this stage um, as an ARA member doesn't mean you get any special privileges from insurers um, but it does it does show that you know you are keeping up with the times and you, you're doing and these types of things are critical right yeah Vince does a heap of stuff. Um, out there with the executive committee um, to promote recyclers and you know if you're part of it you're going to know what's going on and you attend the conferences and all that type of stuff I know it costs money but seriously it's the best money you'll ever spend you know a few thousand dollars there is 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 worth a lot more than anything uh, when they can do the conferences again right so hopefully the one in November is it November yeah we're still, we're still planning for Reno in November um, so we, yeah we're very much looking uh, ahead of this crisis and and planning on on hopefully being part of the the healing process for everybody because we need to we need everybody's going to need to get together and and uh, help each other you know fight our way out of this so we're going to be there okay so we're right on nine o'clock or whatever time it is in your area um we've got a hand up though uh and i'm just going to go to it quickly it's been up for a while mike swift uh, wants to say something i'm going to try and uh, Mike, are you there? If you are, you're muted. I'm here. Okay. Did you want to say something, Mike? <clears throat> no, I'm just talking. I mean, I appreciate everything you guys are doing. It's just that, you know, that in the past, as Vince just said something about the past, you know, ARA definitely had a bill passed and signed into law by Barack Obama that NHTSA should provide us this information. And hopefully, with the new lobbyist, we can go after NHTSA and have sit-downs with them 
hoping that Scott Robertson and Sandy and them will definitely have more sit downs with NHTSA and more serious talks about getting this implemented into our yard management systems. I mean, I sat with Hollander and Pinnacle, not Pinnacle, and um, Checkmate and uh, Mike Lambert sat down with these people and, and they've showed them how they can do this. So this could be done tomorrow. It's just NHTSA dragging their feet because the OEM control NHTSA. And that's part, that's part of the problem in the United States. And Chad can, Chad can probably second me on that. Just the meetings that I was in, you know, they listened to us. And as far as I'm concerned, as I told Sandy Blood, I want meetings that mean something for RAS, for people that already have the system in. You know, what's the next thing to get recalled, Paul? You know, if airbags is the next thing, what is the next thing to get recalled? And there, the cool part about what RAS has done, there is a system now. Utilize the system and give us the tools that we need. Just like when the this Volkswagen recall came out in your country, you know, wouldn't it be nice if boom, that's automatically into our systems tomorrow. And there's a way to get that product back to Volkswagen or back to whomever needs it. So just some of my thoughts that we have the information we have the law. Let's get it. Let's get on this um, with the, with the new lobbyist. You know, I I was pretty quiet the other day when we hired him, but you know, I'm going to be a very proponent of getting on this and getting in get some of this implemented. You know, and with the help of our like Raz and other, and Mike Lambert and that around the country, maybe we can get something done with this. You know, we we have the law passed. It's, it's time to stop dragging your feet. Four to five years now, I believe, isn't it, Chad? I mean, I just don't even know for sure, but. Thanks, Mike. Um, certainly, Mike, uh, Mike's got a lot of passion for the industry. And uh, as the, uh, I think, president probably three or four years ago, Mike of, of ARA certainly uh, was very, very passionate and still is about the industry. So thanks, Mike. Appreciate your comments. Vince. We had a question come in from uh, Michael Malik, I think is. Uh, Michelle, uh, I hope I didn't... Michelle Malik is from um, the paint uh, <laughs> Body Shop News. Uh, Body Shop News is a, a large magazine uh, and, you know, online and print magazine here uh, in the United Arab Emirates, all over the world, really, um, and uh, works closely with collision repairers, uh, paint companies, etc. So. Michelle has asked, what dates in November is the ARA conference, uh, Vince? Right. Uh, well, first off, Michelle, I apologize for butchering your name. Forgive <laughs> 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 me for that. So the dates are November 11th through 14th uh, in Reno, Nevada. We'll get the details across, uh, Michelle. Um, I talk to Michelle fairly regularly, and I'm looking forward to having Michelle on as a panelist in, in a few weeks' time. I certainly want, want Michelle to... Uh, participate in this. Uh, he's got great reach in the industry and has been a great supporter of us. So thanks, Michelle. Okay, everyone. Um, again, thank you very, very much for attending. Please spread the news. Um, spread the, uh, if you get the YouTube channel, get onto the YouTube channel, send it around, uh, forward the, uh, the link uh, for the um, Facebook live stream to whoever you need to. Um, Let's spread the word about, you know, what are some of the positive things we can do in the industry, for the industry, for individual yards? What can you do today to prepare for the other side of COVID-19? We're going to be in a really good spot. I'm going to finish off with this, you know, the economic downturn uh, is going to be tough and long for, for everyone around the world.
It's not going to be a six-week thing. It's not going to be a six-month thing. It's probably going to be a six-year thing. Um, and, you know, economies are going to be down for a long time. Uh, and in as much as that's not a good thing, um, for this specific industry, let's face it, automotive recyclers have thrived when things haven't been so good for other industries and, and, and for uh, economies generally, recessions. Um, prepare yourself. People want to buy your product. Make sure it's presented well. Make sure your organisation is presented well. Get your part numbers into your system. Take right photos for your online platforms. Get, make sure that the photos look good. Present yourself well. And I think there's a really, really bright future on the other side of this if you can maintain a position whereby you're still there. Right? So let's do whatever we've got to do now and, and, and prepare for, uh, for what, what's coming. Paul, Chad, Vince, thank you very much for being on, on the call. Really do appreciate it. Um, it's been great having you on and I'm sure everyone that's uh, been on the call, both on Facebook and um, on, our, on our Zoom call, have appreciated you guys being on. Um, very, very, very helpful. Thank you. I appreciate you inviting me. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Okay, guys. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.